Welcome to the Getting Past the Premium Podcast, where we focus on breaking down risk management problems bit by bit until we find a solution. Enjoy today's episode and be sure to follow us for weekly content. All right, welcome back to another episode of Getting Past the Premium, everybody. I'm excited to have with me today Chris Klein. Chris is the Executive Director for the Agents Council for Technology. Chris, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, other than a gloomy day here in central Ohio, but, you know, uh, I mean, it's par for the course in the yeah. middle of January. So no big way here yeah. in Omaha. So yeah. Omaha. Yeah. at least we're in positive and double digit temperatures. That's we haven't been there for the last couple of weeks. All right. Yeah, we'll take that. I was on a call <laughs> with somebody earlier this morning who was calling from Italy and it's like 60 over there. And I completely put uh, it completely exposed my level of geographic acumen because I was like. <laughs> <laughs> would have thought it might have been comparable weather to here, but yeah. you know, I guess I need to get out the globe. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Awesome. Well, for everybody listening that I'm sure a lot of people know who you are, but for everybody that may not, you want to kind of talk about what you do today and then also your background? Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And, you know, it's um, awesome to to meet new folks and yeah. have an opportunity to just just have these great conversations. So kudos to you for forming this podcast. And Oh, thank you. Giving everybody a voice and bringing people out and having you know different conversations with different people across across the industry, but yeah. So today, and as of about twenty months ago, I uh, I became the executive director of the Agents Council for Technology, which is one of the programs at the National Big Eye and really big shoes to fill. As Ron Berg retired, okay. and um, he uh, did a really nice job over a fairly lengthy amount of time <laughs> uh, trying to convince me that. I was, you know, I was at least one of the folks that could that could <laughs> yeah. take, take what he had inherited and and been building with with the team there. And so it took me like five or six months to make that to make that decision. But it it's been great, you know, to join. We're a small team. Jenny Winkworth's my, you know, my partner in crime at ACT and um really just trying to create more awareness of what we're doing and, mm-hmm. and even think differently about what we're doing and how a small but mighty team can can learn more about technology and to give more insights and thought leadership to help independent agencies and really the channel at large leverage technology to bring the you know their unique strategies to life. It sounds great on paper. It's a nice bullet point, <laughs> you know. But as you know, it's it's a heavier lift. Fortunately, there's a lot of people focused in this space, and yeah, love to think that the tide can raise all ships and figure things out, but um, not everybody shares the same opinion on what tech and how tech and which uh-huh. tech and what, you know, all those kind of things. But it's a great conversations every single day about that. But prior to joining ACT, I had spent 28 years on the carrier side. Okay. Yeah. And just a phenomenal number of opportunities to do very cool things there. But I mean, a super condensed version of even where that began. So I was, I'm an art major. I went to school to be a graphic designer, a fine arts degree. And joined the insurance that. industry is made up of, you know, yeah, I mean, it was very natural. Well, I mean, how many people in our industry have said that, you know, it's the, it's the cliche that, that people didn't find the industry, the industry found them, but yep. started off as an internship, had a faculty advisor in college <laughs> who said, Hey, I, there's a guy who runs a graphics department at an insurance carrier down the road. And he's a part-time faculty member in the evenings and that, 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 that long story short, but did that. And then kind of just made my way through. Did a lot of different things, sales, underwriting, compliance, employee training, marketing, and um, 
big chunk of time leading agency distribution or a big chunk of the functions in agency distribution. And along the way, fell in love with independent agents and what they do and what makes them unique. And another, you know, super cheesy cliche is, you know, I feel like I was an entrepreneur stuck in a conservative person's body and (laughs) just spend, could spend all day long talking to independent agencies about how everybody kind of has the same couple of goals. But beyond that, you know, there's 40,000 of them. So yeah. there's 40,000 ways to think about everything's different, effectively yeah. running one. And I love that. And so that was part of the draw, you know, to the big yeah. eye was an opportunity to work, you know, with a group of people who are, are solely focused on trying to understand the needs and, and the opportunities presented to agents today and to work on ways to help them out. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm, I mean, given that background, I'm sure you've got some unique perspectives on the industry, but Echoing one thing there, I agree with you. The things I love about the industry is, you know, you would think given that we all, you know, provide insurance or are the distribution channel for insurance for our clients, that we would do things the same way, right? Because there are a few key steps that have to be done the same way, right? But when you start to dig into how different firms do different things, it's just really fun to see the different applications of how we go about placing insurance on behalf of our clients. So that is fun. It's a fun part about the industry. But I wanted to get your thoughts kind of today. And you sit in an interesting spot being, you know, the executive director at ACT because, you know, tech is obviously at the forefront of a lot of conversations in the industry right now. Some people look at that as everything's going to be tech driven and done by technology and, you know, taking the human out of the yellow or out of the loop. Right. And I think there's a, Several people, me included, that believe it's the exact opposite, right? We need to optimize the human in that relationship uh, and use technology to better support what the person is doing for the client. But where I'm going with this is then internally, how do we, one of the things that we don't talk about enough, because I think, again, technology gets so much of that bandwidth, right, in conversation, is how do we support those people, right? And, you know, the buzzword out there internally is how do we drive great culture? You know, how do we create the environment people want to come to work towards every day? All of those things. So I wanted to get your perspective on that. You know, what does culture mean to you? And then uh, how do you see that being applied in agencies today? Yeah. Gosh, how much time do we have (laughs) (laughs) without without boring people? First of all, I will say I... I align with your line of thinking that I think the best tech is that which enables the yeah. human experience. The and by the human experience, I mean you know those that offer the products, those that that serve the client, and then ultimately the client. Yep. Maybe we'll go well past that, but I, you know, I assume I'll be retired <laughs> by then. And you know, all sort of massive sort of societal change has a little bit of a pendulum swing dynamic. We might overcorrect a little bit and then we, you know, we normalize here a little bit. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But we've seen that, right? It wasn't that many years ago where every insure tech, insure tech yep. air quotes. Death was, of the independent agent, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was Velcroed to the word disruption. And yeah. now that's just not a thing anymore. And I think most, at least the the firms that are having success in our industry are those that view their role as that of an enabler. And that's fantastic. And so now it's like, well, well, how do we start start sorting through that? But baking all of that together, you know, you kind of ask what is culture 
mean to me? I think that's a huge, huge question. And there's a gazillion different answers. And I probably answer it different every single time I have this conversation. But I I mean, to me, I, I think about it through the lens of intentionality mm-hmm. and what experience an organization truly wants to create for their employees, their customers, and really, I would think any other stakeholder group. And that's a vibe, that's an attitude, that's a set of behaviors. And all of those things feed to what kind of employees you hire and how they're trained to do their job. And ultimately, I think as it relates to the technology side of things, what tools and resources you acquire and deploy and and make available for each of those stakeholders to to use. And so that's that's a lot, but there's a lot of places that will say they have a great culture and then they struggle, I think, to perhaps to define what that means or to put it in the words. Yeah. And that's not to dismiss that because it is really hard to put that into words and to think about the actual behaviors. Yeah. That bring that to life. But even that you know, sort of as a nutshell, that's easier than actually making it happen. And, you know, you've maybe you've read books on execution and strategy versus execution, right? And there's a reason why those exist. And I think if you translate that to this cultural dynamic where it works, whether it's by design or by default, it's where the words and the vision and the mission from those on the top of the organization are clearly articulated and I always hate to hate say down through an organization, but I mean, organizations are built yep. on some hierarchy, but like, you know, at least through an organization where people really have clarity again, by design or by default as to what the organization is trying to be yeah, and to actually how to work there so that they fulfill that. Yeah. That makes sense. Totally. Yeah. So there's a lot in there, right? And, you know, I think one of the things that leaders struggle with when it comes to culture is it's very intangible, right? Or can be. So how do you recommend, you know, if if you're a leader, either growing a firm, or maybe you're going into a new role as a leader, or you're you're just trying to develop the right culture internally for your, your team, you know, some of that you can drive through, say, systems and processes, right? Do your mission statement, your values, your, you know, all of those things, right? Is more of a systematic approach to it. But then there is the intangible side of it, which is building relationships. It's living out your values. It's the behaviors, as you mentioned, right? So how do you kind of, what's your your recommendation kind of to a business owner, to a leader, you know, as to how can they improve or you know, design or build the culture that they want, you know, more specifically? Yeah, I think it starts with that itself. I mean, it's really getting clear on what you want that to be. And yeah, it's, that's actually hard. And I mean, depending on the size of the organization, I mean, if you're kind of a middle of the bell curve, and I mean that in size, not in capabilities or sophistication, you independent agency out there, you're probably somewhere into 10 to 25 employee range usually there's one or two people that have have accountability for ownership of that organization and then really the buck stops there which is you know not to be harsh but the name on the door the people who are in charge of the organization really should be thinking about what like what it means to show up in the market and yep. what 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 do you like want that experience to be and i keep using the word experience cuz it's it's real 
And so I would encourage people to start with, with, with words and themes and the mission vision that you talk about, which I think more people, more firms should do, but then what do those really mean? So those words look differently and sound differently than what every other business in town has. Right. And we've, maybe you go back to the original and then maybe you've seen, um, I think it was was Randy Schwantz wrote the wedge. Yeah, yeah. That sales yep. book talks about the ladders of abstraction. Mm-hmm. And most companies, when they put you know their the things that differentiate them on a board, you could probably just use a dry erase <laughs> and put every other company in town. And you know it's it's done for a high you know hyperbolic effect, but it is to force you to go deeper into what makes you unique. You unique. And thinking about culture is more than flat screen TVs and laptops and a pool table and you know, a keg for four o'clock. I mean, those are cool things, but even without really being clear for your folks and the team, it the, those really can't sustain employee and, and customer retention, at least in, in, in my perspective. And so how you expect to be treated, how you expect your employees to be treated, how you expect people to treat each other, what experience you want for your customers, what do you want people to sort of subconsciously think about your organization when they hear your name or see your logo or encounter one of your teammates in the market. I mean, you can still use words like integrity, trust, and and great service and all of those kind of things, but putting those and being really clear, and I think being succinct, you can't be 25 things. Mm -hmm. What are three, four, or five things that you really want want it to be? And being very transparent about why those words, those themes, those expectations matter to you as an owner is really important. And I, it, this sounds sort of like direct, but I truly believe that most employees wake up in the morning wanting to do good. Yep. And what, at the bare minimum, what they hope for when they kind of go into the office or launch a Zoom, whatever is a pretty clear understanding of what their job is, to have the tools and resources to do it effectively, be coached on how to perform and get feedback and be fairly compensated. Mm-hmm. And I, so I would agree that, with that, yeah. And I'm kind of going to that point because I think those are areas where I think we as a society in and out of our industry have an opportunity to do more when bringing culture to life. Yeah. So it's real. It's one thing, very important to define what you think it is, the mission vision. Here's the words. Here's even some things that look like behaviors and to say that. But then how do you start to create an accountability model, regardless of your size, of the size of your company? Yeah. And I think it's most everybody is nice and kind and you assume that people are going to do the right thing. But I've really developed a strong belief that I think cultural components should be in almost every job description. Mm -hmm. I think they should be a component of each performance management and coaching and mentoring inside an organization. So start from a spot of noble intent, not punitive results. You know, okay, here's what we're expecting and here's why. Be very clear on the why. Most people will do about anything if they understand why and they can align to the reasoning, yep. which I think we stop short we'll do of more or better typically too, when they understand the why. Yeah. You know, what's the benefit? How does it help me individually? Kind of the what's in it for me? How does it help me do my job? How does it help us benefit our customers? Um, how does it benefit the cost, the company, right? Yeah. 
our ability to invest in new tools and new tech and new staff and to grow all those kind of things. So if you have that clear, then if you have like middle level leaders, then they know some of these things and now have the ability to coach their staff or to offer performance feedback. If it's a smaller organization where it's one-to-one, it gives you those tools and then something to have a consistent basis to evaluate your team, right? It's one thing to talk about the number of widgets you do and how fast you do them and how accurately you do them, but it's the, 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 how you do it and the, why you do it super important. So stopping there and just to saying that that alone, just putting it into job descriptions and just forcing yourself to have that conversation as a leader or a leadership team is hard. And it now makes culture become real. And again, people just, they'll do what's expected. Most people will. And then to put it in to say, hey, we're going to evaluate against some of these standard set of behaviors that we expect from everybody, regardless of role. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, if people are misaligned and they've had a chance to succeed and you've given the tools, we don't, as a society, do a very good job of asking people with misaligned behaviors to go work somewhere else. (laughs) It's It's not objective, right? It's squishy. Yeah. So yeah. I'm stopped That's there for a second of rambled, but yeah, I've got some other thoughts, but yeah, I just want to see where you're. Yeah, no, frankly, I mean, what we find is when you have a strong culture based around everything you just walked through, most people actually self-select out, you know, uh, they, yes, they right. realize that this just isn't going to be a fit. Or when you do have to have that conversation, it's not a, hey, you're getting fired conversation. It's a, I don't think this is a fit conversation and and you've done all of the right things to determine whether or not it is a good fit like you mentioned they've had the right coaching the resources yeah. everything and you know hopefully at that point if you've done the right conversations and everything leading up to that the person you know is yep i they're going to agree with you pretty much you know sometimes it's a relief to them even yeah it's a good point right and it's look we all know there's this there's HR laws and there's hiring and yeah. firing regulation in every state. So this isn't suggesting in any it's way. Not compliance advice. <laughs> right. And it's not suggesting you ignore those kind of things. But I think most of those still say that you need to document. Yes. And document and document and document. And then what's been done to address the behaviors. And I, you know, I I do think you're right. I mean, you've talked to people that have left environments and Sometimes the people that leave will say the environment they left was toxic or it was a bad culture, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think the way you said it, Elliot, is appropriate. Like when you have greater clarity about what the culture is, what's expected, and the tools by which people are empowered to do it, then it becomes more an objective conversation. We don't stink and you don't stink. We're just not aligned. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. But I think. And something where I get deeply passionate about is this addressing misaligned cultural behaviors. It's one, we're pretty good as an industry at saying, hey, you, you've you missed your new business target the last five years in a row. The objective stuff, right? We're gone, right? Your audits, you know, you fail, whatever those kind of things are. But when it's just, just you're not behaving the way we hope, then a couple of things I think become become true at least in pockets of companies, depending on size, is employees are way more astute and observant than, mm-hmm. and we know this, but then we want to give them credit for, I think, in some of this stuff. 
And so they will be able to see behaviors that don't align. They will see it way before the leader does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're interacting. The ground. Yeah, they're there. And so, and I think most employees, again, I might be naive. Tell me if I'm wrong. Most employees believe that the manager or the leader of a team or a company will eventually address stuff that's not healthy. Well, the longer that goes, the greater the level of optics applied to misalign that are shared across people for misaligned behaviors, things subconsciously start to happen across the employee, the rest of the employees are, well, first of all, they don't think you're sincere about the culture you want. Yep. And they don't believe. It's a nail in the coffin if you start down that road, because then people- It totally is. And yeah, keep going. Sorry. No, that's quite all right. I love it because, and I, so I've kind of authored a couple of things and done some presentations under the title of what you permit, you allow. I mean, it's a line out of a seventies tune that I heard years ago, but the idea is if this person or people who are misaligned, and now you've got some objectivity to it, the longer they're allowed to behave that way, the more and more that behavior will become the culture, at least in that part of the organization. Yep. And even worse is if that person who behaves that way is celebrated or recognized or promoted or given more latitude. And that's not uncommon because it's also not uncommon to have somebody who's culturally misaligned. They might be technically a rock star. They might be crushing production. They might, and it's hard to address that. But the behaviors you want, if we continue to allow people to act in ways that are counter to that, then everybody else is just going to assume that's the behavior that's tolerated. If not actually expected. Yeah. So before you keep going, please, you know, I, so we always talk about that side of it, which is important, right? That's the potential negative side of not living to your core values. Right. Where I like to present this is the flip side of that, you know, like imagine if you had, you know, if you have 30 people on your team, if 29 of those people are you know, they would run through the brick wall for your core values and the company and everything you do. And they're not going to tolerate anybody that is not living those out. And you get that one other person who's, you know, comes to work every day. It just is the typical employee that doesn't believe in it. And, you know, all those things. Right. Because we're not going to hear all those things as leaders, right? Like you mentioned, we we hear about it after it's been going on for two months and, you know, starts to degrade that. Well, what if you've got that army of people that aren't going to tolerate that and are going to say, hey, if you've got the issue, you need to talk to your, you know, you need to talk to Chris. We know how Chris is going to, you know, react. He's not going to bite your head off. I've had to go to him with these things before. And, you know, they can coach almost that employee through it to where either they're going to come to you or, you know, you're going to figure it out or they're going to figure it out. And they're, you're going to have that misalignment conversation, which I think is much more valuable or, or yes. you yeah. know, just as important to the firm and, you know, having that overwhelming response to your core values from your team that, you know, you don't even a lot of times have to be the one that's driving that, right? Because there's so many people that live it out every day. I think that's the, that's the, I mean, that's the spot where you want your organization to be is to wake you to my, where the culture is so strong and so pervasive and so clear. It's not easy to get to, but it's not right for, but I, I, it rarely happen, ha- happens accidentally. So somebody might not be doing these steps in the words you and I are talking about, but they are doing these things. They're yes. crystal clear. They act that way. They celebrate people who are aligned. That's a part where I think we should spend more time is 
You can influence behavior in a group of people by acknowledging and celebrating and recognizing desired behaviors. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the carrot or the stick kind of thing, right? And just if, if people start to see the rest of their peer group being celebrated, they're going to naturally want to do the kind of things that gets them recognized. And then people will feel empowered to go and to fight for, you know, yeah. fight capital F, lowercase F, whatever, for the things that matter. Because you're to your point, they'll walk through the, the they'll run through the propeller blades, they'll walk right off yeah. a cliff with a leader. More so, they'll climb the hill, right? Because that's really where an organization like that is going. Yeah, uh, that's a. And they'll address it themselves. Hundred percent agree. But yeah, it's tough. I mean, these things seem really simple in a twenty minute conversation. And I think, you know, you and I both as leaders and people who have worked through these things, and I'm assuming almost everybody listening to this has experienced good and bad culture from both sides of the, of the, oh, yeah. either as a leader or, or with a peer group, or uh, maybe even somebody they reported to wasn't as aligned on the culture that they thought too. And that's why there's so much work in the change management realm. Mm -hmm around kind of working through all the functional areas and this really crisp point around uh, and change management models of knowing who an individual's immediate leader is and really focusing change management efforts in there because most people want to hear about change and about what's going on in an organization and it'll take their cues yeah. from their immediate leader. Totally. And you get one leader who doesn't buy into a strategy change and that means everybody in their org is going to be at least behind the curve mm -hmm. coming along. But they can also, with the right tools and resources, help help come along. So it's a powerful thing. It takes a lot of work. And I think this notion of let's put flat screens up, let's be transparent on numbers. I mean, let's let's have like a fun environment and let's leave it two o'clock to have team building. Those things are really, really great tactical ways of bringing a desired Act. culture to lives, but they're tactics. Yeah. None of them are culture by themselves. So flat screens and whiteboards where everybody's goals and results are published, those don't work unless transparency really, really is. And then there's recognition and there's coaching and there's other things that kind of align behind that. Yeah. You and I've I, seen it, right? You see healthy 100%. organizations like this stuff is, it just kind of works. Absolutely. Effort. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Well, all those tactics, I mean, again, as you mentioned, those are all good. What I always encourage people to ask is the why behind it, right? Like yep. uh, there's plenty of things we could do. What are we trying to drive? Where are we trying to get to? Why are we trying to do it? Ask those types of questions and then say, what are the tactics? What are the things that allow us to get to? Because we always joke around about, you know, the ping pong tables and the, the beer taps and the happy hours and the whatever. But there's nothing wrong with those things, as you mentioned, if you are using them to drive the right thing. So if, if 
you know, you really want to drive, you know, the feeling of a community and individual relationships and things like that with your team. A great way to do that is have a happy hour once a month or once a week or what, whatever you want to do. That could be one tactic you use for the why of creating community within your four walls, right? Think about it that way. And then there's many ways to skin that cat about how do we generate community in the four walls, right? But getting thoughtful about those things that you're trying to drive and the feeling you want your people to have is incredibly important. And then the thing that I always find, or I've had to learn this over time, right? As leaders and as business owners, and particularly our industry, you know, we're entrepreneurs. Like, you know, you want, you're, you're, you're trained to move fast. You're type A. You, you want to get it done and move on to the next things. I got another thing on my plate. This is not something when you're talking about culture, building the, organiz- the type of organization you want, coaching your people, those are not quick things, right? And That's so, yeah. You have, yeah, you have to create the, the right structure that you can live in every day and that you can take the time reiterating and find as many ways as you mentioned to highlight people for doing the right things and just keep that conversation moving. And it's going to take forever, but you'll see it. You'll start to see people use language that you want. You'll start to see people, you know, like you mentioned, uh, highlighting somebody for doing a core value or something like that. But it just, that's the biggest thing. One of the biggest things I've had to learn is this, that particular piece is going to take time to build and you need to be patient and you need to be very diligent in continuing to drive that culture in your people that you want. I I really love that. And I I guess I had not, I hadn't put as much thought into that myself. So I think that's, that's a great point of clarity. The people leading organizations are typically visionary, highly strategic looking for new opportunities along the way. And again, depending on the size of the organization and the, and the team you built, the folks on the front line are, I think, broad brush, but generally more inclined to stability, Yep, wanting to have consistent processes and all those kind of things that go. And so most of them are willing to do something different, but they don't get it the way you do. Yep. They don't immediately see how this is a benefit or understand the why. And so being able to be very intentional about connecting those, those dots and then, and thinking through pace and how you're going to work through managing that change to that. And I I think that's an interesting point. One of the things I scribbled down is, you know, you and I are having this conversation two thirds of the way across the country from each other. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions and one of the conversations that happens a lot in the industry is, we talk a lot about culture and you referenced inside these four walls. Well, now thinking about those four walls as being oh. organizations where nobody's inside the same yeah. walls or there's a hybrid, which is yeah. more common than not. And kind of there's a, there's a little bit as a, as a smart, you know, sm, you know, smart Alec, I will say it's the same crap. You still yeah. got to define it. You still got to bake it in. However, many years ago, not many years ago, but a number of years ago when I, moved into a role in leadership on the carrier side where I had remote employees to work with. I had a mentor pull me aside and say, the one thing I will, I will leave you with on this is your remote employees, whether they know it or not, they need to hear something three or four more times, if not more than folks that are in the home office or in the four walls. They don't Sometimes have the water cooler people, conversations and the, yeah. Yeah. You know, we always look at the meeting after the meeting or the yep, hallway yep. chatter as having a negative connotation. 
But imagine leaving a staff meeting and then just walking to lunch with your folks. Like, oh, what'd you hear? What'd you think of that? Yes. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Those kind of things sort of affirm and they bake messaging. But you have staff that might just hang up the Zoom call and then they're on to the next thing. They're not thinking about it. And so being more intentional about that and creating an environment, an open office scenario or sort of like an, something along the way with, with Zoom or Teams or whatever your, your platform is. Another thing too, like organizations that try happy hours. If you've got remote employees, okay, the five people that are in the building get to have pizza ordered in and you know, maybe open up some adult beverages at 4.30 while your remote staff's like, well, that's great. Yeah. So I had a colleague in my former life, had a leadership team where most everybody could be in the home office. This person lived multiple states away. And for a few years before the pandemic, he was 100% on Teams or WebEx while we were in a room. Yep. And he continually would talk about, I can hear people typing and the chatter, blah, 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 blah. And then with COVID and everybody became the mm -hmm. same square on the screen, his take was he'd never felt more a part of the team oh, because yeah. now we all had the same experience. And then when it started to go back again, he started to see this sort of separation and how, how he felt connected to the team. So yeah. there's not a magic formula there other than if you're leading a team where not everybody is in the room Think about repeat it, especially if you're an ID, an ideator and you're a strategist and you're looking for shiny objects. Well, you really got to spend some time and intention making sure your remote team is on board and extra time with the remote team compared to those that are in the room. Yeah, totally. Well, it's like different tactics, right? You know, yeah, totally. But it's but it's being intentional about what you're trying to drive. And I think, you know, it's back to that comment about entrepreneurs and, and whatnot, this is something that you can't delegate, which is why I think it's so, I don't want to say difficult, but it, it can be hard to shift that perspective because you, you can delegate a lot of things. You know, you have folks that run operations, you have folks that might run sales or whatever that, you know, you think up the next thing and you're strategizing about where to go and you want to implement this. Okay. That makes sense. Go this culture values what what you want the organization to be is not something that you can delegate because it's behavior based as you mentioned uh, and so if you know you have the words on paper but then somebody sees you not living out those words you know it it, it just degrades that message more and that trust in what you're putting out there more than anything so well that's something that everybody should be thinking about go ahead just a final thought on that right i mean i think this is intuitive but it, it, it's worth saying that if we talked about what you permit, you allow kind of thing, and mm -hmm. that might have a connotation of, you know, peer to peer or sort of in the, the, the employee base as, as in general. But if the senior most people in the organization don't behave mm -hmm. aligned with the words that they're, they're saying, and right. And so you get a medium sized agency where the owner says, here's our culture and here's what I expect of you. And then they don't behave that way. Yeah then, I mean, it doesn't take long at all before people just go like, that person's full of it. They don't even, oh, you don't yeah. even believe their own story. And so those, I mean, those are out there, you know, and, totally. and it's not like these are bad people. They're, they're not most of them. Right. And it's yeah. just, it's, this is, this is hard work. And a lot of people, and I think this is the separation back to the entrepreneurial thing is nobody will care about your business more than you. 
but you can make your team care a lot more about your business than you think they, they yeah, might be able to with some work. Great way to put it. Yeah, for sure. So I don't want to cut that off short, but I would be remiss if I didn't have you talk a little bit about uh, the book. I see it's in the background there if anybody's on video. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, talk a little bit about, you know, your thoughts around writing the book, The Inertia of Legacy, and, you know, without giving away the book, but kind of what what were you intending? What, what are you trying to get across to people with the book? And how do you, you know, hope it impacts folks? Well, okay, so I'll try to be super condensed, which is never a strength of mine. <laughs> That's all right. I've got the need for brevity as a permanent placeholder <laughs> on my employee development plan and personal yeah. plan. But I've been sort of a science junkie off and on throughout throughout my life and unfortunately ran out of mathematics horsepower. I probably would have gone <laughs> into the engineering or physics field or something along those lines. But I started to reimmerse myself in in the science content a number of years ago as podcasts became more and more prevalent. Mm -hmm. Things I read and those kind of things and losing track of specific years, but let's say five or six years ago, I had this idea that some of the, some scientific principles, whether it's astronomy or physics or math, whatever it is, thermodynamics is another one I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. If we explore those through like kind of a lay person's level, there are things we can translate out of that and maybe deploy in our personal or professional lives. Because these are just fundamental laws of the way the universe is constructed. And so is there some sort of human dynamic to that? And so I still have a notebook of, I don't know, eight, nine, seven, something like that of those. Somewhere along the line, uh, five, four or five years ago, it hit me kind of between the eyes that our industry had procured the word legacy and start to put a negative connotation to that, right? The software world has for a while. And when we hear legacy software, we don't think it's the most sophisticated, current, relevant, yep. dynamic things. And yeah, that, legacy insurance agency, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly right. And so we say yeah. legacy agency, legacy carrier, legacy yeah. team, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't think we intend to necessarily be disparaging, but the the connotation there is usually high tenure. Yeah. Sort of stable in who they are, not necessarily thinking about innovation and how to reinvent themselves. And I had an agent once say that to me, don't call me a legacy agency. And so we had this conversation. And so, okay, whatever. I tried to stop using it. I fail every day because it's impossible. But I was casually reading or listening to something about Newton's laws of motion. And this idea of inertia came up. And like, well, if you don't, if something's at rest or if something's in motion, it will stay in that state unless we do something about it or it's impacted by an external force. So if I didn't care for the way our industry was thinking about legacy, I could stop saying legacy, right? And then it got me thinking more and more about how could these Newton's laws and this concept of legacy really come together? And I really started to think about it then beyond even just what our industry is and how do us as individuals, us as employees, us as family members, community members, or as business owners, think about our own legacy. And as I really got into this, it's not a negative thing because everywhere else really universally, this idea of a legacy has this transcendent concept of it's something you build and you manage and you leave behind, not just the wealthiest people in the world, the Steve Jobs or the Bill Gates, but every single living human being and every business that ever exists is 
leaving a legacy of some kind. Yep. So I started to brainstorm and brainstorm and write notes and jot things down. And for a number of years inside this window, maybe two or three, I started to get really clear on how I thought inertia, Newton's laws, emotions could be embraced and deployed into how we might think about legacy. But I didn't really know how to articulate it in a way that I felt what was bouncing around in my noggin would make sense to anybody. <laughs> yeah. And so literally in November and Thanksgiving Day week, Thanksgiving weekend of 2022, I just said the heck with it and opened up my laptop and started writing. And somewhere along the way, <laughs> I don't know, probably 20 hours or so in the writing, another sciencey thing hit me and I realized all I'm really thinking about here at the core are two single variables. And Math and science has a very powerful way of thinking about two variables, and it's an XY axis. And so, okay, let me start sketching that out. And then I realized that if I plotted the overall amount of effort or energy somebody deploys into managing and defining their legacy and the overall health or clarity of one's legacy, you end up with four very distinct quadrants that now became yeah. really the, the bulk of the book to understand how those intersect each other. And so the idea then is working somebody through to find out where they are on this quadrant. And in each of the chat, there's a chapter for each of the quadrants after the setup where I go through every chapter the exact same way. So when you think about this intersection, what's it like to live or be in business in this? What do we mean by legacy and, and inertia? in each of these things, mm -hmm. each of these quadrants, then I do my darndest to anonymize the, the scenarios, but I give a real life example from my personal life, a business and a person that I've interacted with or know of that's in that quadrant. And then we have some calls to action. Yeah. So it creates this spot to understand where you might be if you're objective and then to understand what it might be like to live in some of these other quadrants and then I built this framework that would be like a change tool. How do you plot yourself? How do you figure where you, where you want to be? And how do you start to manage, which becomes kind of like an inertia of legacy business plan, if you will. But the idea is that if you believe that everybody's leaving a legacy and you sort of align around the fact that a legacy is the sum of your life's work, is there anything more meaningful to any of us than our legacy? And so if you subscribe yeah. to those things, okay. why do so people put so much effort? Why do so few people put effort into defining and managing their legacy? Yeah. So true. Well, probably because they don't have a model in which to think about it. Well, hopefully they do, right? I mean, I'll be frank. I think people think about my legacy is after I die, what are people going to think about me, you know, or whatever, which, you know, I know that you're putting words around that, but yeah, it's it's much more than that and being intentional about it. And ultimately... You know, I think most of us want to feel like we've had a positive impact on the world, right? And that's what legacy is. But it also happens every day, right? And you can work on it every day. And well, that's the thing, right? That if, it's, if it's something you're that you've left after you've passed away, of course, maybe you don't care at that point in time. Yeah. But then why wouldn't you work on what you want that to be while you're alive? Yeah instead of making it this passive, you know, this passive thing. And so it, 
I don't know. It's there's some liberties taken in in the book with with some of these concepts, but this just idea is that if define what you want to be and what you want to be thought of and what you would want to be remembered as. Yeah. And do something about that. And it's not easy because if you think about the world and kind of using this inertia thing, there are always factors at play that are going to be potential in knocking you off course. And so you can apply force, but you can't apply force to something unless you know what you want it to do. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just knocking crap off the table. Yeah. So even if you're in the healthiest quadrant, which is a defined and intentional legacy and a lot of effort, you have to maintain that level of effort and energy because there's always other external forces, right? There's weather conditions and market conditions and some competitor could drop an office right across the street from you. Your best employee could leave. I mean, those are the you know kind of things that if you are really focused on that, then you can you have greater stability so that you can sort of fend those things off. Yeah. I closed the book with a goofy analogy on the gyroscope that many people had as and there's usually mm-hmm. one of them. And it's about finding your intention and putting your effort in to really fulfilling your intention. To so to me, a gyroscope, that's why it's the logo on the book and it's the logo of different yeah. things to do with that, is that sitting on a shelf. A gyroscope is essentially useless. It's quirky. It's yep. kind of awkward. It doesn't even really serve as much more than a paperweight. <laughs> but that's not what it was built for. It was built to provide stability to some of the most sophisticated devices that humankind has ever built, right? But what makes something that's clunky and awkward and very unstable become one of the most sophisticated navigation and balance devices ever devised? It's really intentional energy. Yep. And once you get that gyroscope spinning, which is exactly what it's designed to do, now it's remarkably stable. And if you kind of, you know, you've played with one, right? You you push it, like not only does it like not fall off the table, but you can feel the energy pushing back. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really powerful analogy for like, all right, well, figure out why you're here in the first place or why you want to be here and then align your energy. Yeah. And making that happen. And if you're really focused there, things are more stable and you're better equipped to sort of fend off outside forces. Totally agree. So I've gotten totally agree. Well, that's awesome. That. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for rambling on that. No, not at all. I wanted everybody to kind of get an idea. Uh, where can they get a copy of the book if they want to read it? Uh, it's Amazon in all formats, paperback, hardback. You can get Audible and, um, Kindle, and it's also on Apple Books. Perfect for now. Awesome. If we get it big enough, then it'll be in all big in all bookstores. But hey, there you go. <laughs> right now, Amazon's the way. Well, that's the the biggest bookstore. So it really is. Yeah. And then, if people want to get a hold of you, you know, about anything that we talked about today, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, gosh, I mean, love to talk culture, love to talk about the book, but you know, my day gig is is trying yeah. to help agencies figure out technology and how the industry can rally around it. And so, you know, check out me. I'm I'm on LinkedIn and I love to interact with people on LinkedIn. I probably am overly active out there, but ACT has a couple link has a LinkedIn page. We have a website. I know we'd love to talk to you about what we do. And if you're listening from an organization out there that's looking for something that's kind of neutral in the middle of the industry that's trying to make good things happen, we'd love to talk about ways we could partner as well. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, I enjoyed it. Thank you for the time. I think everybody out there, you know, we've given them a lot to think about. So 
I appreciate do, it. And do yeah, something. Love- do something. Yeah. With everything you consume, right? Make an intentional decision that you have. You took nothing away from it. Or if you did, do something different tomorrow. Uh, otherwise, it was just you know, 45 yep. minutes of time that you'll never get your click back. And you oh. don't want that to be the case. Neither do I. That's a great closing right there. Well, thank you, Chris. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Getting Past the Premium. We are excited to continue breaking down barriers and finding solutions together. If you would like to reach out regarding anything you heard in today's episode, find links and contact info in the description. Until next time, have a great day. Are dropped calls and poor voice quality slowing down your business communication? It's time you switch to a solution that keeps the team connected seamlessly. Introducing Lightspeed Voice, your gateway to a revolutionary VoIP system designed to elevate your business communications to the next level. With Lightspeed Voice, you get more than just a reliable connection. You get feature-rich system that adapts to your business needs, whether it's video, conferencing, virtual voicemail, or call forwarding. Lightspeed Voice, they've got you covered. They got my agency covered at the Insurance Alliance. Worried about the transition? Don't be. Lightspeed Voice offers a seamless integration, making the switch to our VoIP system a breeze. Our expert support team, that's what they're known for, is here to guide you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and efficient transition for your business. That's right. But that's not all. Lightspeed Voice is not just a communication tool. It's a strategic investment in your business success. It is. Save on your monthly communication costs while enjoying top-notch service. It's a win-win and it is. You can put that money somewhere else. Don't let outdated communication systems hold your business back. Upgrade to Lightspeed Voice today and experience the difference. Visit our website or call now to schedule a demo and see firsthand how Lightspeed Voice can transform your business communications. Lightspeed Voice, where every word matters and your business is always in sync. CAS approved.